welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Today, we are starting a new teaching series uh, for this summer. We're calling it Stories of the Kingdom. And so starting today through the summer, we're going to be looking at uh, the parables that Jesus taught. These are, these are, these are uh, stories that Jesus taught uh, that unpacked what is the kingdom about. And so this summer, we're going to be looking at the parables, these stories of the kingdom. And then also, a lot of weeks, maybe not every single week, but a lot of weeks, we also want to make space for, for, for people in our community to share stories of what Jesus is up to in their life, stories of the kingdom breaking into their lives. So a lot of weeks this summer, we're going to, have, we're going to talk about Jesus' parable stories, and then we'll have some space for people to share stories of the kingdom. What's what Jesus is up to in your life? Um, so that'll be kind of the rhythm of this summertime. Last couple years, last couple years, I've had a good friend who he been in a season of real doubt and questioning around his faith. Uh, he he's, he's, would call himself a Christian for a long time, but he's come to a place where he said, I don't know if I still believe this. I don't know if I still want to give my, my, my life, my heart to this. I don't know what I think about this. And so it's been this season of us. We've been, you know, we've been reading books together, all different viewpoints. We've been, uh, we've exchanging emails and phone calls and hanging out. And, and a lot of it has been me listening and just being a friend and giving him space to ask these questions. And, but uh, this past winter, we were exchanging some emails and, and I sent him an email and I said, uh, I said something like this to him. I said, you know, at, I, I said at some point, Life has to be lived. You know, we have to make choices what we're going to base our life on. I said, there's, at the end of the day, there's no, there's no kind of neutral, objective, safe ground where we can just stand back and we don't have to make a faith commitment. And we can just kind of observe everything. And I said, there's that, that that's, doesn't even exist. Every single day... We make, we, we, every single day we, we make choices based out of faith commitments. Everybody, everywhere, all the time. There's no, you can't escape it. Because we, we, every one of us has to make choices about what does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to be in a family? What's a human life for? How should I treat people? What's the value of a human life? What should I do with this one wild and precious life I've been given? And there's no kind of neutral ground where you can retreat to and, and run a test in a lab. And that'll be the answer. This is what a, the value of a human life. This is how you should treat people. This is what you should do with your... There's, it doesn't exist. Everybody has to every day make choices. This is what I'm going to spend my life on. This is how I'm going to treat people. This is what life's about. And it's all, it's, everybody takes a faith position on that. We all are making a choice. These parables, these stories of the kingdom. One of the things the parables do, the parable by its very nature forces the question on us. It forces us to decide, what am I going to use my life for? Parables force the question, are you going to respond or are you going to ignore? Are you going to trust 
or are you going to trust something else? That's the nature of the parable. Parables had a... Jesus didn't invent parables. You know, they they had this long... In Jewish spirituality, parables had existed a long time before Jesus. So in, in the Hebrew scriptures, in fact, a lot of times the prophets use parables or parable-like language and the reason it shows up a lot in the prophets these parables is this that the parables the they're not parables aren't fundamentally about conveying information that's not what parables are for there's other ways to just convey facts or information parables by their very nature they're they're meant to call people to a decision parables are meant to elicit a response to press a choice What are you going to decide? How are you going to act? What are you going to trust? They're about action, response. And so the prophets would use them because the prophets are trying to get people to wake up. What are you going to choose? Where are you going to trust? How are you going to act? And Jesus pulls on this tradition. And Jesus, in in many ways, had this prophetic ministry to the the Jews of the first century where he's saying the kingdom is coming. God is doing a new thing. You have to decide. Where do you stand? It's time to choose. And I think parables, Jesus' language reaches across the 2,000 years and they still, they still reach us that way. What are you going to choose? Who are you going to trust? How will you respond? The parables are meant to elicit a response. So we're going to look at these this summer. We're going to wrestle with them. And uh, we're going to listen to the voice of Jesus' parables. Um, the, the image that comes to my mind when I think about parables... And the metaphor is of uh, these metal puzzles, right? Did anybody play with these as a kid or even now? You got a collection? Who has some of these at home? Some people tell me, okay, these, this is Grandpa Stockman's. Uh, Grandpa Stockman loved to tinker. He loved puzzles. And um, so Grandpa Stockman, this is one of the things when I go to his house, I always play with these puzzles. And... The reason parables kind of remind me of this is parables, these stories you told, they're not, they're not meant to be just easy illustrations. That's not what parables are. Oftentimes they're a bit, uh, they're a bit mysterious. They take some work to understand. And, and the, the, they're a bit puzzle-like. And the reason parables are that way is because by its very nature, the the, the, the kind of the, 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 the fact that a, a parable isn't immediately easy to understand, it forces the choice upon us. Are you going to ignore it? Or are you going to wrestle with it? Are you going to just turn your head and keep about your day? Or are you going to engage with it? So even the very, the kind of the, the, the form it takes gives us this choice. Will we engage? Will we wrestle? Will we think about it? Think deeply? Or will we just kind of continue on? So, I would love if somebody would help be a living picture of this. So, what I'm going to, I'm going to, I need a volunteer, somebody who likes puzzles, somebody who's not done this one before. That's no fun. It's like, I've got that one at home. <laughs> no. So, if you've never done this and you're willing to come up here and work on it while I'm talking this morning, somebody who's willing to just sit and work on the puzzle. You don't have to, I mean, if you, if you solve it, that's great. If not, that's okay too. So who would be willing to come up and work on this puzzle? I know somebody is like, I'd kind of like to do that, but I'm embarrassed to raise my hand. All right, there we go, Jake. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right. All right. This is my friend, Jake. You want to say hey, everybody? Hey, everybody. Everybody say hi, Jake. 
All right, Jake. Um, Jake, can you just sit here and work on this one? And um, just give me a wave when you, uh, if you figure it out. Cool. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, Jake's working on that. We are going to turn to our text for the day. Matthew chapter 13 is where we will begin. Uh, If you're following your Bible, Matthew is after Malachi. It's before Mark. It's the first of the, uh, these ancient biographies about Jesus in the New Testament. And the words will be on the screen above, or you can follow along if you'd like to do that. So Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So this is the, the north part of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, kind of his home base was Capernaum there. And uh, not too far from Capernaum, there's actually kind of a natural cove amphitheater uh, on the coastline. It's named Sower's Cove. We don't know for sure that this is where Jesus did this teaching, but it's very possible it would have been a natural place. So you can imagine there's so many people, oh, we want to hear you teach, we want to hear you teach. And Jesus gets in the boat, floats out a little way, and they all gather around the shore and listen. Picking up in verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. You can imagine, um, now this is a road that takes cars, but in ancient uh, Galilee, these these farms would have been family farms. People would have walked these paths for generations. The ground would have been hard as concrete. You know, seeds can't penetrate there. So that's actually from Galilee there. And uh, verse 5. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And again, here's another picture from Galilee. And uh, uh, Galilee's known there are, there's a lot of bedrock near the, the surface. So this would have been a common thing where the soil was shallow and things can't take root. And then verse 6. Uh, yeah, nope, verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Did I read verse 6? No. I'm like, my brain. Okay, back up. So the, the shallow soil, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. That's the, that's the rocky soil, no root. And then we saw the picture of the rocky soil. Sorry about that. Okay, verse 7, the next kind of soil. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And here's some, these are, these are thorns and thistles, again, in, in Galilee. And you can imagine those choking out uh, the plants you want. And then verse 8. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And in, in the Galilee, the places, the, the, there's this rich, dark, red-brown soil known as terra rosa that's very good for farming. And, and here's... Um, Here's a picture of a wheat field. It's actually north of Nazareth. You can see it's uh, good farmland there. Okay, and then, and then Jesus ends with this punchline. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear. So this parable, uh, the parable of the sower, which it's sometimes called, this is, this is a key parable. 
This is, uh, it's a parable about other parables. You might even call it a meta parable. This is, it's, it is a very important parable. It's in, in, out of the four ancient biographies of Jesus, three of them have a lot of Jesus' parables in them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in all three of those, this is the first major parable told in all three of those. Only two parables are given a title. This is one of two parables with a title. Only two parables are given an interpretation. This is one, two parables that has an interpretation. There seems to be a lot of focus about the importance of this parable. Why? Because it's about listening. It's about listening well. And listening well is the foundation for all the other teaching that Jesus is going to give. Because if people aren't going to listen well, well, then what's the point of giving more parables, more teaching. The foundation is that people would listen with their hearts and their lives. That's why he starts here. This is the foundation. You solve it? Oh, look at this. Jake, everybody give Jake a hand. Well done, man. Now, did you, uh, uh, did you have to think about it? Or did it just do it itself? Uh, it was more like I... I tested a few different things okay. to see like how I could manipulate it. Yeah. And eventually it was sort of like, okay, well, if this can work like this, then yeah. I can push this through there. Yeah, so you kind of thought about it, this, try this, try this, try this, and you had to engage with it. Yeah, yeah you couldn't just ignore it. Yeah, cool. Now I've got, um, are you ready for, this? no, I'm kidding, no. <laughs> Good stuff, Jake. All right, give him a hand. Well done. All right. I, we're, we're not going to name names, but that was a little faster than first service. I'm going to say, you know, well done, friend, yeah. Parables, you've got to engage with it. You've got to wrestle with it. Okay, so it's about, this parable It's about listening. And this idea, the, the last thing that Jesus says, this punchline, he says, he who has ears, let them hear. And this last word, hear, it, this is a very important word in Jewish spirituality, to hear. And I want to I talk about this a little bit. The, the, in Jewish spirituality in Jesus' day, there was a scripture, a law, a prayer, that faithful Jews would pray in the morning and in the evening, two times a day, every single day. Jesus calls it the greatest commandment. It's Deuteronomy 6, 4 and following. We'll read the first couple of verses here. It's here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And so the faithful Jew in Jesus' day, in the morning and the evening, they would start, they would say, hear, listen, Israel. And this word, hear, we've talked about it before. This, in, in Hebrew, does anybody remember what the word hear is? Shema. And in fact, this prayer, this scripture became known as the Shema. That was what the whole thing was known as. It was known as the hear, right? The Shema. And in fact, one rabbi in Jesus' day said this. This is a first century rabbi said, Who is the one who disregards the Torah? Who disregards, who ignores the law? Answer, 
He who does not recite the Shema in the morning and in the evening. Shema. This was, this, so this idea of hearing, of listening, this was central to Jewish spirituality. Now, the, 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 the first word of this verse, it's not to hear. It's, it's, in, it's not an infinitive. It's an imperative. It's a command. Hear. Listen. And in Hebrew, when a word like this is a command or an imperative, it shortens. The middle vowel shortens. So it's not shema. It's shma. Shma. So everybody, I want to say this together. Say shma. shma. All right. Say it like it's a. Say it like you're telling somebody to shma. All right. Shma. Shma. So Deuteronomy six four. Shma Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Shema Israel, listen, hear. And in Hebrew, the Hebrew language, the word hear, Hebrew is it's a very earthy language. It's a very kind of holistic language. And so in Hebrew, the word Shema, it does not mean simply kind of auditory input. It's bigger than that. I mean, in English, you could say hear, and the idea could be somebody's hearing the words but not doing anything about it, but they're still hearing. In Hebrew, it doesn't work that way. Shema means hear and do. Listen and follow. It means understand with your heart. Have your identity reshaped. Respond appropriately. Act it out. And and if somebody hears the words, but they don't live it out, they're not changed by it, they're not responding to it, they say, well, you're not really shmaing then. You're doing something else. But shma, shma means to listen with your life, to have your identity formed, to respond. That is what shma means. And the morning and the evening, these, this, this, the people in Jesus' day, they would say, shma Israel, let us be people who listen and understand. And Jesus tells this parable, and he ends his parable, and he says, whoever has ears, let them shma. Christine and I, we have some friends who, uh, they, they taught in China. They taught at a Christian uh, international school in China for a number of years. And uh, they went over there, and it was a Christian school, and they took over this course that was about the Gospels, about the teachings, the life, teachings, death, uh, and resurrection of Jesus. And so they're teaching these high school students uh, this Jesus course. And one of the things that the, the woman was, I think she was heading it up, and one of the things she uh, built into the course, there were some, these high-rise slums near their, their, their school. And so one of the things she built into the course is they would go to these high-rise, these slums, these apartment buildings, and they would do service projects. They'd get to know people. They'd serve there. And they'd help there. And so towards the end of the semester, uh, one of the students, it was during a classroom day, one of the students raises their hand, and uh, their last, or my friends, their last name was Coons, and so it was Miss Coons was the teacher. And the student said, Miss Coons, Miss Coons, okay, yeah, what's your, what's your question? She says, um, could we go back to when we just studied the teachings of Jesus and took quizzes and tests? Because trying to live all this stuff out is a lot more difficult. And it's... It's a, I love the honesty of it. I love the just being honest about it, you know, because it's easy just to take a test than actually, like, live this stuff. That's the difference between just hearing and to shema. Shema means to hear and do, 
to listen with our life, to engage, to wrestle, to be changed, to respond. Why? Why does Jesus start all his parables? Why does he start with this one? Because it's about listening. That's the foundation. Listening holistically, listening with our lives, responding. The whole parable is about what it means to Shema, right? I mean, he goes on to give, Jesus goes on to give the interpretation of the, the parable, this, the parable of the sower. And he says, he says you know, the, the hard soil, those are people that um, they don't really listen at all. Their hearts are hard and closed off. The message hits them and just bounces off. It's swept away. He says the, the rocky soil, he says, those are people that, that, you know, they listen a little bit, but when, when, um, when things get hard, when trouble comes, they, they, they thought it would just be easier this, so they, they bail and they stop listening with their life. He says the, 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 the soil with thorns, those are people who they have these other, these other priorities, these other idols, these other anxieties, these other things that are more important. And they get focused on those and those choke out the mess, so they don't really listen with their life. And then he says the good soil, those are people who shma, who respond. The message sinks in and then it stays there. And they respond and engage with their entire lives. And it bears much fruit. The whole parable is about what it means to Shema. And the point, the point is it's meant, even the telling of this parable is meant to elicit a response in the listeners, right? Because he tells this parable and we're meant to have a certain kind of reaction. We're meant to react and say, oh, I want to be good soil. I want that kind of growth in my life. That's what it's meant to do. I want to, I want to be a person that schmas. And then Jesus says, he starts there because that's the foundation. He says, okay, good. Now let's get on with the teaching. I've got more things to tell you about. This is the foundation that he builds off of. I started... You know, I started this morning, I talked about how there's this, you know, there's no neutral ground. Everyone, every one of us makes a choice. Every one of us takes a faith position. What are we going to use our lives for? What kind of friend are we going to be? What kind of son or daughter or mom and dad are we going to be? How are we going to spend this one life we've been given? What is human life about? And there's no test we can run. There's no neutral ground to retreat to. Everybody has to take a faith position and step out. Life is there to be lived. And Jesus, he comes and he comes teaching these parables and they press us. They say, will you listen? Will you listen with your life? Will you let it sink in deep? Will you respond? Will you step out and trust? Will you engage? Will you wrestle? Will you wrestle and engage like a puzzle and, 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 and wrestle with it? Will you, will you be good soil and let it sink in deep inside of you and do its work? Will you do that? Will you shma? And, it, and that's not to say, and that's not to say that it's about, you know, because I'm always conscious of the, the danger towards kind of um, religiosity, that we just work really hard and get God to like us. You know, we work really hard to understand the parable, get God to like us. It's never, it's always grace, right? The soil doesn't make the sower show up. The soil doesn't make the farmer come. The farmer arrives, Jesus arrives, and his message is a sheer gift. 
The soil can't make the, the seed grow. The, 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 the power of growth is inherent in the seed, in the message. But the soil can be hard, it can be shallow, or it can listen. It can be receptive. We're called to be receptive soil, to Shema. So this is what, uh, what I want to do now. I want to um, give us some time to respond to this. And you know at the beginning I said that this summer we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tell these kingdom stories that Jesus told. We're going to unpack them. And then we're also going to spend some time, uh, a lot of these mornings, to share kingdom stories of where the kingdom's breaking into our lives. And so this morning I want to create some time, some space for us to reflect on that question. Where, what is your kingdom story? What is Jesus up to in your life and the lives of people around you? So we're going to take a little time, just give you some time to quietly reflect on that this morning. And I think even one way, one way we listen to Jesus is we pay attention to what he's up to in our life and the lives of the people around us. And so this is how we're going to do that. In the, uh, in the seats in front of you, uh, there are these connect cards. And we're going to, if you, if you like, and you don't have to do this, but if you like, I'm going to, you can, you're welcome to write your kingdom story on the back there. There's space to do that. And if, um, could I have somebody help me out here? Matt, can you help me? If any, if, if your row doesn't have these cards, if you could just raise your hand and Matt will, will send some your way. I think a lot of them do, but if, if anybody needs them, Matt will get, make sure you've got them. And, um. And so I invite you to write these stories down, and in a bit you can turn it into the um, in a bit you can turn in the offering, and we'll read through them. You, um, uh, we we'd love just to celebrate with you, and some of you we may even just extend an invitation. Hey, would you be willing to think about sharing this with the whole community at some point? There'll never be any pressure, but we may contact you and just invite you to think about that. Um, now maybe you're thinking, okay, what kind of stories are we? What kind of stories are we asking about or talking about? You know, we, we talk about this thing. We say, love God, grow people, and care for the world. And so, stories of those things happening, stories of maybe someone starting to to trust Jesus for the first time, stories of you feeling invited to know Jesus more deeply, um, grow people. Maybe there's stories of someone around you really growing in maturity where they're, they're, they're starting to see the world the more the way Jesus does or feel about the world more the way Jesus does. Um, it doesn't have to, maybe it's not even your life, but maybe it's someone near to you in your small group, in your family, your circle of friends that are really trusting Jesus in new ways. Or care for the world. You know, maybe it's, it's a place you've been invited to step out and share the good news about Jesus. Or maybe it's even, you know, there's a lot of stories in this community of people quietly serving the forgotten, quietly serving the marginalized, quietly serving the hurting. And it's beautiful, but a lot of times it goes unseen. And maybe it's somebody that you know that you're like, their story deserves to be told. That is beautiful and they deserve to be celebrated. And maybe it's just sharing about that. Um, because those things, God is up to those kind of things in our community, in our lives. Those, those are the currency of the kingdom, right? Right, that is what what the, where the kingdom's breaking in. That's the currency we deal in, and so we want to sh- we want to talk about them here. And even I'd encourage you to make space in your small group around your dinner table to share those kind of stories. That's uh, that's what we want to be celebrating. And maybe you're even here, and um, and you'd say you're you're not a Jesus person. Still, we'd invite you. I bet you're on some kind of journey of searching for God or. Better yet, being sought after by God. And let us know about that. What's that journey been like for you? We'd love 
to hear your story as well. So um, fill those out. You can turn them in in the offering or even, you know, some of us are like, I can't think on the spot. You know, you'll think about something Tuesday night or something. Turn, you know, the following weeks, you're welcome to continue to turn those in. So what we're going to do now is the, I'm going to pray. The worship team will come up. We'll just give you some space to think about that, reflect on those, and um, we'll collect them later on in the service. Jesus, uh, hmm. Jesus, the image of crowds uh, thirsty to hear you teach just captures me. Of men and women and uh, boys and girls pressing to say, you know, speak to us, speak to us, speak to us, and pressing on the, the shoreline and, and you giving words of life and even challenging. And um, Jesus, by your spirit, would you, uh, would you give us that same heart? that we would be people that gather on the shoreline. Even this morning, speak to us, inspire hearts, help us see the things we should be seeing. We pray this in your good name. Amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.